Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got T.P. Hammock and Brooks Childress with me for the full three hours as we go over everything in the wide world of sports, including Auburn basketball, as Auburn with a demonstrative victory over number 11 South Carolina last night 101 to 61 we'll break that one down what it means for the Tigers and again a big week overall for Auburn basketball as they're getting set to host college game day on Saturday so we'll give you a lot on that I got some other things to get into today Auburn baseball again starts tomorrow we want to do a little bit of a a preview of that we had Auburn pitching coach Everett Tieford on the show yesterday. So if you missed that, go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, but uh, we're getting a little bit into baseball mode, so we want to give you a little bit of a preview of some Auburn baseball today. Uh, so we'll work that into the show. And also still even maybe a few more words on the college football coaching carousel that in theory was over because spring practice is starting for some as soon as this week and then for others in a couple of weeks. And yet another head coaching vacancy became open. Yes, at a small school, but has some SEC ties. And again, just another kind of odd situation in an offseason that has seen uh, some odd uh, parallel or even downward moves, uh, depending on your point of view. So maybe get into that. Of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334 334- 887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Uh, and, of course, we'll have birthdays and sports coming up in just a little bit. Also, I'm a little bit more in a golf mode, gentlemen, than I usually am uh, as uh, Tiger Woods is back on the golf course again. And uh, that's always going to be uh, my favorite thing to say in the golf world. So uh, keeping an eye on that one as well. So we'll get into a lot of different things here on this Thursday edition of the program, Brian Brooks and TP with you here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. We'll start with you, Brooks Childers. Again, appreciate you for filling in for the first couple hours yesterday, and I hope you are well on this Thursday. I am doing well. It is a beautiful Thursday outside. I was going to say uh, you were in more of a golf mood because it's a beautiful day outside. We should go golfing and just we know, should go golfing uh, and for, uh, just forsake the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let, let TP host the show for the rest of the time. Um, but it, it's a it, it's a good day. Uh, it, it is a, it's always a great day to, to get on here and talk about an Auburn win, Auburn basketball win yesterday, a dominant Auburn basketball win. Um, we, we talked about it on the show yesterday. Steve brought, or, or Tom brought it up to start with, then Steve brought it up about the 11 and a half point spread. Uh, I think a lot of folks, you know, we, we talked about, uh, you know, you guys talked about it Tuesday. Uh, Steve brought it up. And Ryan, you were you were uh, skeptical about that spread. Uh, uh, Steve was skeptical about the spread yesterday. 
I I was skeptical as well. I, I chalked it up to them giving uh, Auburn a little more points on the at home. But even yesterday during during the show, I said that uh, I thought South Carolina would cover the eleven and a half, but they wouldn't win. Um, but they didn't. They sure Auburn covered the eleven and a half uh, for themselves, and so it was a it was a dominant win for the Tigers last night. Uh, big nights all around uh, for a couple guys. Um, new nickname thrown out there uh, for for a couple of the uh, the Auburn basketball players, and we'll get to. But it was a big night on the the hardwood for, for the Tigers. Uh, good start down in Mexico for the softball team, getting two wins on the uh, to start their their tournament play down there uh, over the last couple days as they get ready to have their third game here uh, uh, against Utah, uh, a nationally ranked Utah team, which will be really really fun. I think um, if, if you guys remember a few years ago. Uh, Star Oklahoma pitcher Paige Parker is on that coaching staff for Utah, uh, and so that's a that's a, a name I'm sure Auburn fans remember from some tournament play, not in a good way. Yeah, maybe don't want to uh, remember. Don't yeah. want to remember. Yeah, uh, but it, it's uh, that, that's fun, and we're one day closer to baseball here. And you know, you mentioned it in the open. Uh, you're open, but it is a uh, baseball season is uh, just a little over 24 hours away for the Auburn Tigers, and I'm so excited about it. It's uh, baseball is back. Baseball is my second favorite sport. The only thing that uh, that takes over is uh, college football, uh, and so it's 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 so fun. And um, don't want to go further into the show without saying happy birthday to Mr. Ryan LaVoy sitting across from us. Hey, was, you spoiled the birthdays in sports today. Well, <laughs> it was going to come out eventually, so I thought I'd go ahead and, and, and bury the lead and, and say happy birthday to Mr. Ryan LaVoy. Thank he, you, man. He, he wasn't going to say happy birthday to himself on the air, so I, I might as well take the take it from him. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Brooks. Appreciate that. T.P. Hammock on the show today. T.P., how are you? Man, what a week it was. You know, uh, on Friday, the Chip Kelly news, I was obviously running the board. I was super excited about that as a proud Ohio State fan. Still pretty fired up about it. Then Saturday, I watched my Auburn Tigers get obliterated in the swamp, to put it in nicely. And then, you know, kind of get back on it. And, you know, I was a little worried about that game. You know, I had watched South Carolina. This was not a bad South Carolina team. You know, this was a really good team that hadn't allowed over 80 points all season, which is very impressive, especially if you look at who they had played. They had gone to Tennessee. They had played some really good firepower teams like Alabama and some other ones. And, uh, man, all, that was that was without a doubt the most impressive effort I've seen from Auburn, not just this year. I mean, for a while, I mean, in a couple years, I mean, maybe even going back to the Jabari, uh, the Jabari season, or maybe even further back than that one, those two, just an all-around dominant performance. Never really felt close after a certain point in the first quarter. Auburn just started to really get get ahead, and South Carolina became cold, and that was without a doubt. <laughs> they, I mean, from three-point land, that was probably the best performance I've seen Auburn shoot from behind the arc since maybe 2019, so... Uh, really proud of Auburn and a great win. And now now get to focus on the big game on uh, Saturday. And I don't know if you saw, students are already got their camping tents out, Ryan. So uh, I don't know how you'd be able to do that for a couple days. But uh, Auburn's got some passionate fans. So uh, really looking forward to that game on Saturday. Yeah, it, it all spreads and all grows there with, uh, with Auburn basketball. They did the tents before the Alabama game and uh, now doing it for Kentucky. And, uh, yeah, they've uh, – obviously been packed out all year and and continually as we transition into reviewing the game last night continually Auburn basketball has 
played at such a high level at home court. It's probably why the Tigers look a little bit more frustrating or disappointing on the road because they truly are one of the few teams that elevate to this level at home. There's there's not a team uh, that would walk into Neville Arena, in my opinion, and I would probably favor them. And I, I don't even think I would favor UConn. Now, I think UConn's a better team than Auburn. I wouldn't favor them going to Neville Arena. That's how dynamic uh, this arena and this team plays when they are at home. We talked a little bit yesterday about where South Carolina truly was. Are they truly the 11th best team? The analytics say they're more in the 40-45 range. I said, uh, a shocker, uh, I took somewhere in the middle and said, yeah, they're probably not knocking on the door of a top 10. However, you, you get to the record that they had gotten to, which at the time was 21-3. and We should know the value of winning in this league and being 9-2 and in the league. That's still a top 25 or so team, period, and, and – uh, that was the thought. Well, no matter where you fell on the spectrum, winning by 40 points, uh, incredibly impressive for Auburn. Scoring 100 points, as you said, TP, on a team that had not allowed more than 80, was averaging 64. Auburn basically put a half's worth of points on South Carolina in addition to what they usually give up on average. Uh, and so it was the most complete offensive performance, I think, certainly of SEC play, maybe of the year. And shooting-wise, because here's the deal. Auburn has scored 100 this year, but they have not scored 100 in a game this slow before. South Carolina, we talked about, that is a slowly paced team. They only average 72 a game. They give up coming in 64 a game. They, they are trying to... Uh, avoid fast break opportunities. They are uh, not trying to be up and down whatsoever. So for Auburn to score 100 points, it took them to shoot basically 60% from the field and from three. They shot 61 from the field and 60% from three. And guys, again, that's why, yes, Auburn has scored this before, but to be that efficient in a slower-paced game against a team, which, again, like you can say, oh, they're really not the 11th best team. That was their ranking this week, and we're 20 games into the season, 25 games into the season. To do that on the heels of maybe your worst performance of the year, again, Auburn not skipping a beat whatsoever once they get back to Neville Arena. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's like like you said, that, that I think that's the, the frustrating part is how – you went from that abysmal performance at Florida to this, uh, just you know, absolutely rocking every boat in the harbor uh, last night. It was it was a it was a big performance. You, you know, we we mentioned uh, Talon Cooper yesterday uh, on the program. Steve brought him up how well he was shooting uh, for the team. Auburn shut him down. He he was only uh, one for six from the field, zero for two from beyond the arc uh, on on the evening. Um, and only had what four points on on the evening, and so it was a it, it was a a great performance for for Auburn going out there and shutting things down. Jalen Williams, Jani Broom both had huge nights. I think those two are the the two that you know. I, I Steve asked yesterday um, about uh, the uh, who who we thought should have a big night last night. I I've said Jani Broom. Um, and it's getting to the point where you just you're expecting both those guys to have double digit points every single time they're out there. You're expecting both of those guys to be in the twenties every single time you're out there. The the thing is, for for this Auburn team, is you need to have a 
a somewhere where you can land in between. Uh, you don't have, you know, I, we, we've talked about how hard it is to win on the road. It is extremely hard to win on the road in the Southeastern Conference, but in general college basketball. You've got to find somewhere in the middle where you are winning some of these road games. And I think, you know, Auburn's got it in there. They, they've, got a, they, they've got it in there. You saw them go on the road to Arkansas and get a huge win early in the season, a blowout win in the early season. You saw them go on the road and beat an Ole Miss team. There's something there. There's, you know, you, you have it. The, the, the talent, there is, it is in them to go on the road and win. Uh, but you've also had performances like uh, a Mississippi State and, and a Florida where you just look at it and you, you scratch your head of what's going on. Auburn's got to find a middle ground there where they, are, you know, they continue to win some of these road games. You don't have to win them all, but you don't look abysmal in these road games. Uh, you, you go out there and you, you are more competitive. Um, this, this game last night, though, you came in and you showed the, the – uh, the, the home court advantage that Auburn, you know, every time Auburn plays a home game, it, it feels like you're getting quotes from ESPN people about how much of a home court advantage Neville Arena is. We know that. Um, but they came in and they, they saw a team that, is sitting, that was sitting on the top of the SEC title race, and they were coming into Neville Arena and said, we've got to get, our, get back in here. This is a pivotal game when they looked at SEC title race. And Auburn made sure that they put their names right back into the front of the line with that win last night. I, I think you brought up some excellent points there. I think, you know, I think a big part of this game was Janai Broom and Jalen Williams. They're becoming a Batman and Robin of some sorts. If you're going to double team one, you got to leave the other one open. Good luck. Good luck. Because Jalen Williams at home plays like LeBron James, it feels like. He just makes every single shot, it feels like. He is just a stone-cold killer whenever it comes from the field. And he he has just been incredible, you know, playing at home. Janai Broom hit four threes last night. That was probably his best shooting performance at Auburn. I, I mean, it was the most threes he's ever made in a game I believe in his career I'm not sure if it was just at Auburn but I know it was one of his best shooting performances of his career and like you said you're not going to be able to win every game on the road you know that's college basketball you guys talked about last uh, yesterday like Kansas went on the road and played at Texas Tech and got absolutely destroyed North Carolina earlier this season played host to Syracuse and I believe gave Syracuse one of their worst losses in program history and then UNC went to Syracuse and lost to that same Syracuse team so you're not going to be able to win every single game on the road but you better do well and I think this was a really pivotal point in the Auburn season because you kind of felt like their backs were you know you you just had such a big win but it felt like the momentum had kind of really just been taken out of their souls because that was a I mean the scoreboard doesn't really that was a beatdown in Gainesville so you kind of got put in a crossroads where how do you rebound from your worst loss of the season and what did Auburn do well they took the number 11 team ranked in the AP poll and took them to the woodshed they beat you know beat them by 40 so uh, that was really impressive by Bruce Pearl's squad really just just look night and day difference from what we saw on Saturday versus what we saw. And uh, like you said, I don't know a team that could beat Auburn in the in the jungle this year. I I really truly feel like the only team that may come close would be UConn, and I still think Auburn would be favored by maybe a point and a half. So um, just just a really really good game and a real good bounce back win last night for Auburn. So it's the third time Auburn has scored a hundred or more this year. The other two times Chattanooga. 
when Auburn beat them 101 to 66 just before the new year. And then in Atlanta for Holiday Hoops Giving, Auburn put 104 on Indiana, which is their season high. I went back to that game to illustrate how many more possessions were in that game compared to last night. So Auburn last night shot the basketball 59 times. Against Indiana, they shot it 72 times. And then free throw-wise, Auburn shot 19 free throws last night. Against Indiana, they shot 23. The only way they declined a few possessions was in that Indiana game, of course, they only had three turnovers. In this one, they had seven, which is still an incredible number. It's below their average. So you lose a four, uh, about four possessions there. But I just told you, 13 less field goal attempts and a few less free throw attempts. So there's still about double-digit possessions less that Auburn had last night. So that's why I say, obviously, you add in the, the fact that Auburn was around 50% against Indiana. They're 60% in this game. This is why this was their best offensive performance of the year, bar none, because of who they were playing, because that it's not just about the pure number of points. It's about how efficient it was. It was about there was just the sheer fact there was less possessions in the game last night. And so they came out with a vengeance. And, of course, in the Florida game, they had shot from three about as poorly as they had all year. I thought it was encouraging in that one that the one thing, I think the only thing that I got out of that was that they stopped shooting threes in the second half. I believe they started one of 12, I want to say, from three in the first half and then went two of five in the second half. They basically won the very rare time said, all right, fine, this is not how we're going to score today. Let's, let's cut it out. Uh, of course, they made everything it felt like from three last night, going 12 to 20. But as you guys said, Jalen Williams and Janai Broom combined for uh, nine of 12 from three. The one thing I will say about that is that's probably never going to happen again. Jalen Williams is a pretty good three point shooter. He has been. And to be fair to Janai Broom, he has definitely gotten better than last year. Uh, he has been coming on pretty steadily. His shot selection better. He's up 38% from three. So, uh, we'll see if he can carry it through the rest of the season. I still don't think that's the best part of his game, but he is clearly improved. You've got to get him credit for that. He was more like a 20 point, uh, 20% three-point shooter prior to this year. So he has coming on there. But those two guys just went ballistic. And honestly, if you're Auburn, if you're a team that uh, has had a lot of new parts come in, just like just about any team, if you need to steady his ship – this team is still about what Janai Broom and Jalen Williams can help you do. And, and maybe that's not always in the point department, although those two are, are the leading scorers. You know, maybe it's Janai's block shots and his rebounding. Maybe Jalen Williams is able to have just the all around 15, 8, and 6 type of game. But last night, they took an onus to, to be aggressive and to score. And look, everyone else followed there. You could pick so many different stats from last night and just, just have, have fun with whatever stat you like the most. Do you like, again, like the turnover situation where South Carolina had 13, Auburn 7. The points off turnovers where Auburn had 25 points off South Carolina turnovers to 8 for South Carolina. Uh, do you like fast break points being 16 to 2? you like bench points being 39 to 1? Uh, do you like that Auburn had 22 assists to, to South Carolina's 5? 
Again, the shooting numbers, do you like that every single Auburn player had a positive plus minus and that every single South Carolina player had a negative plus minus? I mean, seriously, whatever stat you like, Auburn did just about all of it. Uh, they were even on rebounding, so that's the one where in a blowout game is a little interesting. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Auburn checked every box. And it's it's getting to the point where it's getting hard to be uh, surprised with how well they do play. Like I, I do admit that this was still a little surprising. I thought they would win by a 10- to 15-point margin with some struggles in the process. Um, so I did not see them being up 22 a half and then never really being up by less than 15 or 16 in the second half. Uh, but it's getting hard for them to do something surprisingly good at home anymore. That, that's how – uh, consistent they have been no matter if they're coming off a win streak lo- uh, a loss playing a top 25 team playing a lesser team uh, they have thumped people and the only times where they've not thumped people people were texas a&m when a&m brought a lot of physicality that auburn had to fight through and then just the one or two times that auburn decided with like 10 or 12 minutes left in the game that that was enough for for today and, and an lsu team shot their way a little uncomfortably close and that sort of thing. That's been about it. Every other time, Auburn has been smoking these teams at home. Uh, and so it's getting to the point where it's like you don't want to take it for granted, but you start looking ahead and be like, all right, well, how much of this can you bottle up and take with you away from Auburn, Alabama? And not even necessarily on the road because we're starting to run low on road games. But uh, we're getting late in the season. But how much of this can you bottle up and take on a neutral floor in the SEC tournament and on a neutral floor in the NCAA tournament? And that's the million-dollar question for all these teams. But for Auburn, who is so accustomed to having such a special home court advantage, I guess that's why we uh, agonize a little bit more over the road play because it looks so much different than what we're used to in an Auburn. And to be fair, I think Auburn's performed fine in the NCAA tournament over the last five or six years. Obviously, the Final Four run was unbelievable, the first team in the state to make the Final Four. That's huge. But obviously, on the other end, you had a, a, a two-seeded team not make the second week in the tournament. So it can go both ways. But I don't know. Like I'm, I'm starting – I'm just trying to figure out – I guess my question for you guys is uh, how can Auburn make this translate the best – away from home i you know, ryan it, it's kind of weird how you work with somebody so long and you start thinking the same because last uh-huh. night uh at, during the the second half of that game i started to think about kind of like kind of this question it feels like and i may be wrong here if you get into a situation with the sec tournament or ncaa tournament this auburn team if you just get that first win it, no matter who it is if you get that first win it feels like that could help them throughout the rest of the way. I, th- I think you, you go, you know, you, you've had these road games, the, the true road games where you've felt, you know, in environments that you felt uncomfortable in, where you haven't, you know, you, you get there and it's, it's diff- you know, a different environment. You're not in the, the net, you know, you're not inside Neville Arena. It feels like if you get to that point, if you get into the NCAA tournament, the SEC tournament, and you just win that first game. You power through that first game, and you get that win. You you knock the you you get you know you knock it off your shoulder. Get the monkey off your back after that first win. This team has the talent, and if they get that confidence that they've got that first win under their belt, everything's going to come easier after that. If you just get that first win on uh, away from from Neville Arena in a in a neutral side environment in a in a not dominant Auburn crowd where it's kind of more 50-50, maybe you've got a slight advantage, 
But if you just get that first win, I, I think that that could go a long way in helping Auburn. Like if Auburn, let's say Auburn first round of the SEC tournament, they get in, or not, you know, not the first round, but their first game in the SEC tournament is against a, a Texas A&M or a uh, an Alabama or somebody like that, and you get that win. It doesn't matter who you play next. You feel really good about their chances to win that basketball game. And I don't know what it is about – I don't know what it is. That's, that was what I was thinking last night and uh, watching this. I'm like, if they get on a neutral court and they just get that first win, everything else I think would come easier. So I, I think that's – you took the words right out of my mouth, so thank you, Brooks. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do agree. I, you know, I feel like, you know, this – I just really hope this isn't the peak. I hope we have not peaked, but I don't think we have. I think this team is just looking better and better at home, and I really hope it'll translate on the road, and it has at times. You know, uh, you know, at the Ole Miss game was a good example of, you know, you can be, you know, you can have a very bad first half, but in the second half you can just explode and drop, you know, fifty something odd points. And uh, you know, their other road loss was to Alabama, and you know that that was really close, and uh, and the Florida game is an outlier, but. I think you just like Brooks said, you know, I think it's just breaking the mental barrier because it's it's well documented now, you know, the other SEC fan bases that go, Oh, well, Auburn can't win in the SEC tournament or they can't win whenever it comes to the NCAA. I saw that from South Carolina fans last night. Well, just wait until they go two in a barbecue come NCAA tournament time. Well, I think it's just a mental barrier now and you're setting yourself up to a really good seed because right now I'm looking at CBS's. They have Auburn projected to face the Vermont Catamounts and as a three seed, and that would be very favorable because then you would have a you know a lower seed as well if you were to beat Vermont. So I think it's just a mental thing now. I think get past that first weekend, you know, get that first SEC tournament win. You you don't even have to win the regular season title. Of course you would want to. Everyone wants to win the regular season title, but it's not the end of you know. At the end of the day, you're still gonna make the tournament. You're still gonna be a very high seed i think it's just a mental thing and i do think that this is a very veteran veteran led auburn team with a lot of guys who have been there done the tournament run and whatnot and uh i think this if they're going to do it if they're going to break through i think it'll be this year and you know that mentality part too and uh, we'll finish with this and take our first break and then get to some phone calls and get to birthdays and sports and all that good stuff the mentality of being down really the entire first half of Ole Miss and having the crowd just all up on you, you know, it's kind of a revenge game because Auburn thumped Ole Miss earlier in the year. And being able to then put that noise aside, play a little better defense in the second half, but also shoot the lights out, shoot as if they were at home, that was something that I feel was very relevant to this team. Now, you can't then start losing every single road game like you did against Florida, but there's really the way they got overwhelmed early. There's really not much recovering from that. Uh, Florida was 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 ready, and, and maybe some of it was the energy level, and not just because of being time off, but also the emotional high after the Alabama game, as we see you'd love for it not to happen, but that does happen to a lot of these teams that have big rivals and, and play in these big games. Uh so I, I don't discount that, but I want to see that again because that's the kind of mentality that wins on the neutral courts because you're not just going to go blow people out by 30 points in all these NCAA tournament and SEC tournament games. They'll make a run, you'll make a run, basketball's a game of runs, this, that, and the other thing. So how do you respond when you're down eight? You know, Do you start taking bad shots or do you be patient? Uh, and 
do you still feel confident after starting the game one for nine from three and, and, and be smart about when's the right time to take the jump shot, not to be forceful, but not to lack confidence and all these balancing acts that you have to have. And they did that so well against Ole Miss. So I hope that the next time they're on the road, which is at Georgia at the end of next week, I hope that they win obviously, but I hope that they battle some adversity and again, overcome it because that's the type of thing in my opinion, that gets you through those neutral site games and gets you through that because neither team usually have a big home advantage crowd and that sort of thing. So you're trying to find your own confidence and your own momentum. And I, I feel that the first step to that is winning some of those road games when you are losing. And they did that against Ole Miss. So hopefully that they can continue that and it not just be a bunch of Floridas from this point forward that they are able to uh, to go back and forth and spar a little bit with some of those teams. We do need to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. Also, our birthdays in sports. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Coming up a little bit later, we'll have today's birthdays in sports. But for now, we head to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show this afternoon. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you today? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. I know that y'all were talking about Auburn in South Carolina, and let me just uh, verify that was like one of the best games in Auburn men's basketball history to ever hit a hundred points. I have never seen Auburn actually score that high in any college basketball game at uh, Neville Arena as well. Yeah, Auburn did score 101 there at, uh, earlier this year against Chattanooga at Neville Arena. So definitely a different kind of opponent. They not scored 100 too often in conference play. I know they got 104 in Atlanta against Indiana. But, yeah, to do this to the number 11 team in the country on the heels of a loss, I mean, this was a impressive performance to say the least. Yes, as well. And then with Bruce Pearl actually being, uh, you know, being great, taking Auburn to, uh, you know, taking them to a, a March Madness tournament, I mean, I've seen the years that they that he's actually took those t- 
took Auburn to those three uh, championship team uh, championship years. And I think this year Bruce Pearl would make his fourth appearance in the March Madness tournament this year. So I just have to see how they're going to do tomorrow when we play against Kentucky as well. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Bruce Pearl's been in a few more than that with, with Auburn. He's uh, been able to uh, get to, I believe, four tournaments so far. He obviously was at a lot at Tennessee. Uh, so very experienced coach when it comes to March Madness. And Auburn's a program, obviously, getting more accustomed to being there each and every year and, and uh, is really continually excited about the prospect of uh, more success in March. Yes, as well, because I know when Bruce Pearl was actually coaching for the University of Tennessee, he brought his uh, he brought that winning mentality from Tennessee to Auburn, and it's looking really good as well. So I think a lot of teams on our radar are going to be on high alert. So I think this is going to be a good team that's going to be in the in the first four in in the tournament. So I'm just looking at how the tournament would look like if if the tournament if March Madness was today. I'll probably put Auburn at one like a one seed or two-seed as well. Auburn de- uh, definitely trending in the right direction. I think that a lot of sites probably have them as a three-seed right now. But, look, if they keep winning, uh, if they're able to go on the road and get a big win at Tennessee, something like that, a two-seed is definitely very much in play for Auburn. If they can if they can keep elevating this way, especially if they're able to win the regular season SEC championship. So uh, still a lot in front of Auburn for sure, and if they keep playing like that, they're going to get a lot of it. Yes, as well, because now I'm actually looking at the men's side of Auburn, and this is going to be um, this is not going to be an easy test at the end of the schedule. So this is going to be a hard test for Auburn. So we play Tennessee, we play Georgia, we play South, um, we play Kentucky, and I think we play Vanderbilt, if I'm correct on that. Yeah, Auburn has already played Vanderbilt, but you're right on the others. Though The rest of this month, they host Kentucky, go to Georgia, and then go to Tennessee. And then in the month of March, Auburn hosts Mississippi State, who they lost to in Starkville earlier this year. Then they go to Missouri, who's been terrible this year, and then they host Georgia. Yeah, so I think this is going to be on the next month of March. I know this is going to be a a tough test for them. So I think uh, Georgia, I think that's going to be a win because I know we play Georgia back-to-back. So I think I I look at the schedule again to to confirm that as well. So if we do play Georgia, I know we're going to win at home when Georgia comes to Neville Arena and then we'll lose on the road to Georgia. So that would be um, a win at home and a loss in Georgia as well. So I think those are going to really test uh, some guys on 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 that note as well. Yeah, and again, uh, that Georgia game in Athens will be February the 24th, and the, mm-hmm. ho- and the home game in Auburn will be March the 9th. Yeah, so I think the one that we're going to play on February 24th, I think that's going to be a win. And then the one on March 9th will be uh, it's like a 50-50 toss-up. So I think um, I have to see how this one is going to look for February 24th before I get to March 9th as well because I don't want to I don't want to step on my toes and say, oh, I was wrong, or somebody will say, oh, he was wrong, and he doesn't know like other uh other callers would would 
quote me on if I'm right or if I'm wrong. I'm always right because I've been an Auburn fan. I've been with them ever since the beginning. So, I I mean, my predictions can be right most of the times, and then sometimes my predictions can be wrong. But, you know, I'm just, you know, throwing out a lot of, a lot of news facts as well. Yeah, so it goes in life. Some, you win some, you lose some. Yes, as well. And then with the uh, win over the Kansas City Chiefs, did you all hear about this incident that happened um, yesterday on Valentine's Day weekend when they were doing the um, parade uh, victory? Um, one person is um, one person is dead, and then 22 people are critically in stable condition over the um, Valentine's Day weekend at the Chiefs. Um, you know, celebrational um, parade as well. Uh, yeah, we, we certainly hate uh, that, that happened. Uh, I, I read today that there was a dispute, uh, apparently, mm-hmm. between the, the couple of people that ended up opening fire and uh, uh, incredibly awful and uh, really, really hate everything, um, everything involving that. Yes, because, you know, I mean, that was just a football game. But, I mean, a lot of people, they were upset that San Francisco didn't win. I mean, San Francisco would go back to another Super Bowl this year, but I would not see Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers playing in another Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of people saying that the Kansas City Chiefs, they'll be going to another Super Bowl. I don't think so. I mean, this is this is something that the NFL has scripted. So, I mean, there's a lot of other teams out there that need to make a chance to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I just have to see how things are going to look. And then with Patrick Mahomes, they're comparing Patrick Mahomes to one of the um, NFL prospects from the USC. I don't see no comparison between the US, the former USC quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. I don't see it. Other people saying that he looks like uh, Patrick Mahomes. He has a Patrick Mahomes style to him. I don't see it as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be very tough to compare people to Patrick Mahomes. I, I know that uh, some will try. I mean, some tried to compare people to Tom Brady. And look, you <laughs> might have one element of these great quarterbacks or something, but uh, when you're comparing all time greats, it, it it gets a bit much for these college kids. And look, Caleb Williams is a great prospect. I, I think he will be. A, a great quarterback in the NFL, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't love comparing people to the absolute best in the game. That, that's a, uh, that's a very exclusive position to be in. Yes, as well, because I'm actually looking at the, uh, I'm going to be looking at the NFL uh, combines. So I'm going to be, you know, studying a lot on these um, new prospects that are going to be coming in, and I'm going to. See how they're actually gonna how they actually gonna do, and it, I think this one is really gonna look good. So I'm gonna see how you know what what key components for different teams that might need them, or you know what what key pieces that they need to put together to actually have a winning team uh, next year as well. Yeah, again, the uh, the draft process is always so thorough. It started really with the Senior Bowl and those college all-star games here over the last couple weeks and uh, we know that the combine coming up I think over 300 players got invited to the combine so not even everyone that goes to the combine will get drafted Uh, and and obviously these teams that 
have a lot of success, still primary, primarily a lot of these main players are guys that they drafted. So the draft process is critical, and we're looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Yes, as well. And then with tonight, uh, with the All-Star game that's going to be starting on Friday, they're actually going to be showing the uh, different teams, the players, and how they're actually going to be doing something brand new to the All-Star game. They're actually going to have the the um, the basketball court is actually going to be covered in uh, glass um, casing, so it's going to look really good this year. And I think it's going to really look really good for uh, the All-Star game as well. So I've been keeping up with All-Star uh, weekend, so I'm very excited. This is my third All-Star weekend uh, game that I'm actually going to be looking at, so I'm ready for it. And I've been covering it very, very well as well. Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to All-Star Weekend for sure. And I'm really looking forward uh, to Sabrina Inescu and, and Steph Curry's three-point shootout Saturday night. Yes, as well. And then later on uh, later on this evening, they're going to be doing the NASCAR uh, dual race, which is going to be starting in a couple of hours from now. And I'm actually going to be studying some of these drivers and seeing who's going to actually do really good when that race actually comes official on February the 18th. So I'm ready for this one as well. So I've already made my picks for um, the Daytona 500 uh, fantasy picks. So I'm actually going to hope and keep my fingers crossed I'm going to win this one again this year as well. Who do you think you're going to pick for that race? Um, I actually am. I actually have Denny Hamlin winning as well. So he's a really good driver, and he's the um, pole sitter for um, the race on the 18th. So I'm just going to see how he's going to do in the practice runs today as well. Denny Hamlin is a good pick. He's won the Daytona 500 multiple times, and I know he won the exhibition race a couple weeks ago in Los Angeles. So he's always going to be going to be up there when it comes to drafting tracks. Yes, as well. And then I'm going to be uh, looking at the Auburn women's basketball team. And I know that they're going to be playing against Kentucky tomorrow, so i got to watch them and see how they're going to do. And then after that game, I'm actually going to wait until the ladies come up here to Tuscaloosa, so that will be a very, very good surprise for them to actually get to see me as well. And I'm hoping that we'll beat Alabama, and I'll tell you all about it next week as well james we need a we're going to need you to post a picture on your twitter from that game in tuscaloosa um i sure would do that but um i don't know how can i actually do that because i'm kind of i'm like getting uh familiar with twitter i mean with x so i don't know how to do that as well i don't know how to post any pictures on my twitter well maybe you can get it figured out and we can see a picture of you at the game uh from sunday all right, sounds good. I'll do that, all right? And War Eagle. War Eagle, James. Appreciate that phone call. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to one more timeout in hour number one. Back to wrap up the first hour right after this.
Dallas on the air, weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Got about four or so minutes left here in the first hour of the show, so let's go ahead and get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, T.P., what do we got today? It is Ken Anderson's 75th birthday, former NFL quarterback. Anderson played college football at Augustiana College, go Vikings, before being selected in the third round of the 1971 NFL Draft by the Cincinnati Bengals. Anderson will play his whole professional career with the Bengals. Anderson was an MVP, an NFL Offensive Player of the Year, a first-team All-Pro, a second-team All-Pro, and a four-time Pro Bowler. Anderson finished his career with over 32,000 passing yards, and he is a member of the Cincinnati Bengal Ring of Honor. Ken Anderson turns 75 today. Mr. Anderson also went to... Batavia High School in Illinois. Go Bulldogs. All right. Yep. And next up is Daryl Green. Daryl Green turns 64 years old, former NFL cornerback. He is widely considered to be one of the greatest cornerbacks to have ever played in the NFL. Green played college football at Texas A&M Kingsville. Go Javelins. Okay, yeah, these are things you got to <laughs> tell me on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Before being selected 28th overall in the 1983 NFL Draft. He was selected by the then Washington Redskins and would play there his whole career, but which would end in 2002. Green was a two-time Super Bowl champion, a four-time first-team All-Pro, a seven-time Pro Bowler, and a member of the now Washington Commanders Ring of Honor. Green was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2008 and is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Daryl Green turned 64 years old, and he went to high school at Jesse H. Jones, which is now rebranded to Jones Futures Academy, which does not sponsor sports anymore. So wow. there is no ma- mascot anymore. So, Some future, huh? So don't go any mascot. <laughs> so, <laughs> and next up is Mark Price. Mark Price turned 60 years old today. Former NBA guard. Price played college basketball at Georgia Tech. Together we swarm. Where he, <laughs> where he holds a multitude of records at Georgia Tech. He was selected in the second round of the 1986 NBA draft by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Price had a very successful tenure with the Cavs. He was a four-time All-Star, a first-team All-NBA, and a three-time All-NBA third team. His number 25 is retired by Georgia Tech. Mark Price played at Ened, Oklahoma. Go Plainsman. So that's a unique there one. There you go. That's a very that's a good one. You missed out on some good ones, Brooks. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. You missed out on some. And next up is Yarumer Yamurer Yager. Yamir Yager. Yamir Yager. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I was yep. trying my best. Here, you, here. Let, yep. let me, do the, let me yep. do the description. 
He's played in the NHL forever. Yes. Uh, former NHL player. He played in 37 professional seasons and has over 2,000 professional games. Uh, Jagger has had the longest playing career in professional ice hockey history. He is the most productive European player who has ever played in the NHL and is widely regarded as one of the greatest players of all time. I found that he went to school briefly for a school for talented hockey players in uh, now Czech, sense. In, uh, Chechnya or Czech. Or whatever it is called, they change their name a lot, so uh, couldn't find a mascot. So, but next up is Dylan Sonata. Uh, I, I Sonata is turning 19. Uh, current Auburn University lineman Sonata started his career at Northwestern. Go Cats, where he was a three-year captain back uh, in high school, and and uh, well, in high school he was a three-year captain, and he has recorded more than. And whenever he was in high school, he recorded more than 350 pancake blocks. Nice. Uh, Sonata went to... They were to, keeping track of that in high school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was on the Auburn University page. Uh, he went to Divine Child High School in Dearborn, Michigan. Go Falcons. And finally, it is Ryan LaVoy's 28th birthday. Current host for Ooh. all... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who? Uh, current host for Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Sports golf. LaVoy played high school golf at Briarwood Christian. Go Lions. Out of Birmingham, Alabama. He would eventually end up taking his talents to Auburn University. There he would learn his craft of being a radio host as he was the host of a Weagle radio talk show. He would then join Tiger Communications in April of 2018. And in January of 2023, he would take over as the sports call host for the then departing J.J. Jackson. LaVoy is known for his great outfielding abilities for the Thunder Chickens. <laughs> and he's also known for his love for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Auburn Tigers, North Carolina Tar Heels, Andy Kennedy and the UAB Blazers, <laughs> Golden State Warriors, and Los Angeles Lakers. He is also known for his hatred of James Harden, who T.P. Hammock loves. Ryan LaVoy is currently sitting across from me, and I hope he has a great birthday. Thank and you very much, T.P. You are very welcome. Those are the birthdays in sports today on February the 15th. Appreciate you guys very much. That will do it for the first hour of the program. Still ahead, a little bit more about Auburn basketball. We'll also get into some Auburn baseball as the Tigers hit the diamond tomorrow. Also have a couple other things, including a ticket giveaway, which you want to be on the list and out for that for Auburn baseball. That will be uh, coming up pretty soon here. And we'll, of course, take more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports Call returns after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Still to come, a little bit about Auburn baseball, including an Auburn baseball ticket giveaway, so be on the listen out for that either at the end of this hour or first of next hour. Uh, For now, though, we want to talk a little bit of uh, college football and this one is not necessarily about um, maybe the schools in play, but it's more so about the timing of this and just how odd some of the carousel things have been in college football this this cycle. So well, what we thought was going to be the last major dominant fall was Chip Kelly leaving for Ohio State and then UCLA hiring Deshaun Foster. That should have kind of closed the loop. They were taking an NFL running back coach out that that didn't create another small school opportunity. And so you figured that would start to quiet everything down a little bit. Well, this morning, Sean Elliott, who uh, was the head coach of Georgia State for several years, they had won uh, three bowl games in the last four years, so pretty successful. He takes a different job to be the South Carolina tight ends coach. Which, again, not even coordinator, uh, tight ends coach, South Carolina. Now, Sean Elliott, a little background on him, uh, because there is a tie here, is that he had been at South Carolina before. He was their offensive line coach and run game coordinator, and then he was the co-OC from 12 to 15, uh, and then, uh, I guess, in 15 there when uh, they decided to – I think that was Spurrier retiring – yeah. Uh, he was the interim briefly in 15, uh, then O-line coach for a year, and then finally got his opportunity to be a head coach at Georgia State. He'd been there since 2017. So in a sense, I mean, he is from the state of South Carolina. He is, quote, going home. But he's not going home to be a coordinator or anything like that. He is going to be the tight ends coach. So, TP, does this feel uh, – well, let me add one more layer. I got to add one more layer. I'm sorry. What also makes this interesting – Georgia State had started spring practice. So for Auburn, it starts in a couple weeks. starts at the very end of February. But for Georgia State, it had started this week. This was going to be their third practice was going to be today. And he he leaves today. So you add that layer to it, TP. Um, is this I – mean, I, like, I, I don't know how to paint this. It seems – uh, questionable at best like I mean do you understand it or do you think this is just a flat out raw deal for Georgia State I think you know 
I think it sucks. I think it sucks for Georgia State. This isn't a bad program. It's not like he's coaching at, you know, a 2-10 and or a 1-11 program. Georgia State's made bowl games under him. They were fairly competitive. He was the head coach there for seven years, and they were really – they were a fine program. They were humming along. The Sun Belt's just a tough conference, believe it or not. You know, we kind of look at it and we kind of go, oh, it's the Sun Belt. But at the end of the day, that's a tough conference. And Georgia State was not a bad program, but, you know, he took uh, – you know, Matt Barry, he's with ESPN. He did tweet out. He said, spoke with Coach Elliott at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. He told me NIL challenges and player retention at Georgia State was going to get worse in the new era. So that's what it sounds like. He was worried about keeping his team around. But but if that's the case, why did he just go up? Oh, you know what? Done. Done. Two days into spring practice as well, which is just terrible because, you know, that just kind of took everyone off a loop, you know, because Sean Elliott, Sean Elliott was probably one year away, you know, one good year away with Georgia State from probably getting a, maybe even a bigger job, you know, maybe like a lower power five job because I had heard his name being thrown around for a couple of years where he may have been interviewing and whatnot. So this isn't like some random coach. So for him to take the tight end coach at South Carolina is just alarming. I think it's slimy. I, I don't want to say that word. I just think, you know, after, you know, this is after signing day. And with group of five programs, you have kids that sign usually on the, the later end, on the on the normal signing day, not early signing day. And, you know, they're starting to get ready to come in. And two days after spring practice, you just go, nah, you know what? That tight end's position coach just looks too good to be true at South Carolina. So, uh, best of luck to Coach Elliott, but you just got to feel terrible for Georgia State because now, who who else are you going to get? I mean, it's going to open up another. It's going to open up another window right there, and the Sun Belt you can get in trouble fast. It's not like you know. It's not like UCLA. I think UCLA will be. I don't. I don't think they're going to be that much worse than they would. I mean, I think they'll be slightly worse, but I don't think they will be like, uh, you know noticeably worse than what they would have been with Chip Kelly. I think without Sean Elliott and, you know, the way that this is going and where, you know, you can see people poach these, you know, these really good group of five players, which they do, I think Georgia State could be in some trouble there. So you just got to feel terrible for that program, Ryan. Yeah, so I think with with this too, why this is, in my view, crossed another line is, because you had initially, I mean, kind of in a sense, started your preparation for the next season. I mean, you had started spring practice, um, and I think that once you kind of do that, you've got to make it be a worthy and respectable uh, career move to make sense. Like if there's some NFL job opportunity, if he could have been, I don't even, maybe position coach, but if he could have been a coordinator or something, I, I know that was not, uh, really on the table for him because you know he has not been really advancing much in the coaching ranks despite uh, taking Georgia State to five bowl games in seven years. Um, I, I just think that the timing of it is 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 hard to to justify because it feels like essentially you kind of saw your team you did you didn't like it you wanted out all those like I know it's it's not to that level. But it's what it kind of feels like. And I think it underscores that there's the real feeling out there, no matter how where you and I stand on this, coaches are not happy with the NIL climate. It is not something that they 
that they really want to embrace. And some of them are. It still may not mean they like it, but they are because they know that's what it takes to compete and succeed now. You're simply going to have to have it. But um, these guys don't want to have to deal with this. Recruiting was already strenuous. Okay, recruiting was already kind of year-round. I mean, even five, six years ago, it was already year-round. Now, uh, as I've said before, the thing that holds me up is I feel like if I do all the legwork to get a kid in there into your program, I should not have to be fighting off schools in the middle of a year to keep that player on the roster. Uh, And you say, oh, well, you're not playing him. Yeah, he's a freshman. Not all freshmen play. You know, there's some reasonable things here that coaches should not have to fight off from these other teams. Uh, But also the naysayers will say, well, if the coaches are moving like this, then the players have every right to move around, that sort of thing. And you kind of just get into this loop where everyone is kind of trying to one-up the other in terms of how can I move the most or or, or seem like I'm giving the school or the player or the coach or whoever the raw steal. I mean – uh, it, I don't think that either side in this is completely um, completely blameless or completely whole um, because things like this are, are again, harder to figure um, other than the NIL component of it, which, again, I think that it is something that just clearly coaches are not really uh, driving with. And... Um, you can get into all your debates on, on whether it's retired some legendary coaches, both in football and basketball, in the last three or four years. I think in some cases it has. Uh, but we've already seen some trickle to the NFL. We've seen guys like Chip Kelly prefer to be a high-end OC than a middling Power 5 coach, at least at least for this one year. And now an entire coach that has had – like it's not like – Sean Elliott was on the hot seat at Georgia State. You win three out of four bowl games. You're not in any danger of losing your job there. You might not be in the process of elevating yourself yet. But I'm not sure how being the tight ends coach at age 50 at South Carolina is going to elevate yourself. Uh, Maybe if he was the coordinator. But uh, it's just – I guess what I'm hitting at here maybe it's not even as much about Sean Elliott. It's just about what state are we starting to move into in college football with – how the movement of everybody operates and at what point is enough enough and that sort of thing. So Brooks to you again, same, same kind of thought process about Sean Elliott. I mean, again, with the knowledge that spring practice had started, I get, it's hard to make people do things because people want freedom to do whatever. Uh, but to go down, not one rung, but two rungs into a position coach after practice had already started, uh, I mean, where do you stand on it? I, you know, I don't, I don't know because it, you, you can't in the professional world. You know, I, I've talked about this with you know students, student athletes. Is you know, it, I, I've you know, I've said you know, I can kind of compare this to to that where I've, I've said that, you know, you, we don't stop normal students from going to other schools and, and stuff like they can move anytime they wanted. And when we were doing the transfer, when we, when the transfer portal was just coming into existence, I was, I was saying, you know, normal students, if I was a normal student, I was not a student athlete, I could pick up and leave and go to another school. I wouldn't have to sit out a, a year and not have to take classes or anything. I could do whatever I wanted. Um, and so that it's the, kind of the same thing is you can't, 
I feel like you can't tell somebody professionally, hey, you can't leave your job right now. Um and you know you you can without the and that you kind of I mean you kind of can with the contract and the buyout but they're going to pay the buyout that's the thing is you, you can get out of the contract by paying a buyout and you can and you can leave and so it's it, I don't know if you can tell people that they can't leave this job uh, after a certain point because you know you're locked in but on the other hand. I think you you need there there could have a you you need to have some sort of parameter where this doesn't happen. Um, I know you know the, the the coaching carousel is is nuts and it's crazy and it, it goes it now it, it apparently just goes all the time now it's it's never done spinning you think it's done spinning but it's still turning just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I thought it was done twice this year. Uh, wrong. Yeah, and and then so I don't you know you never I, I guess you never truly know when it's over. But it, you know, it feels like you. There needs to be at least with with head coaches, um, there needs to be some sort of thing like a transfer portal where they you you say, hey, if you're going to leave, here's the window to to leave. You you either get fired and you can you can do whatever you want, or your season's done here. You uh you know you don't have to coach the bowl game, but you have until this date to to go take another job for head coaches assistant coaches can move around you know whatever they want but i i don't know what to, what you would do because he's not going and taking another head coaching position he's going and taking a a a, a position co- yeah. coaching position which is just it it's weird it's uh, not unheard of but it's 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 just not the norm um I, I think this is it, this continue, and you, you know you you guys hit it right on the head. I think this continues to be some head coaches are not happy with the way that that college football is gone, and would rather go and be a coordinator like Chip Kelly or go and be a position coach like Sean Elliott's doing and not have to worry about the roster turnover. I go out and I coach football. I go out and recruit these guys, but it's ultimately the head coach that gets the blame for. All these guys leaving or or going away or or coming in, it's it's the head coach that takes all the fall for it. I'm just a position coach now, where I'm a coordinator now. I'm here to coach football. Well, and so while while you were speaking, I was thinking of okay, how would it work if we just moved back the signing period back to February like we used to mm. and stopped the early signing period? Because of course, re, in a few days ago, Ryan Grubb who'd been hired at Bama goes back goes to the NFL goes back to the Seattle area to be with the Seahawks be their coordinator and I'm like that's a perfectly fair career move I mean you're going to be an NFL offensive coordinator but the the story was is that he was waiting until the the transfer portal window uh expired so that those players could then uh basically have to be stay stay put and so I thought to myself you know if you continually moved back the date of commitment, then you would make it a little bit harder in theory to do stuff like that. But then I got to be a little cynical. This has all happened the last 60 <laughs> seconds, by the way. And then I got to be a little cynical saying, these people will find a way to, to find leverage. And, you know, you can say, okay, we'll move the signing period back into February. But if you're still going to have people you have little agreements with the NFL. Why do they need to have their coordinators and position coaches hired first week of February? They might want their head guy, but why would they need that? 
You could wait till March or April on that, till around the draft process. You you'd have you'd want to have it before the draft. You want to know who you're working with and that sort of thing. But why why do you have to hire them in February? Give me a good reason. Wait till March or April. And so you can manipulate this kind of how you want to uh, from that point of view. Uh, but then the other thing that I at least empathize with a little bit is at the same time if a player can just move freely and or as many times as they want, the last thing you want to do if you're a decent school is develop someone or, or, or help put them in the right system and then watch them leave. There's more money there. you know. Or he was being talked to week seven. Hey, you're looking pretty good, son. We might have a spot open for you. Keep at it. How, how is that process right either? Because you can't tell me you have to defend your own players all year long. And that's what I think some coaches are, are getting put off to. It, we all understand how hard the recruiting process always has been. You're, you're already shaking high school coaches' hands about a kid that's three years away from ever playing it down for you or even, even enrolling in your school. And, and you're having to do these, uh, these in-home visits and calls and texts and numerous coaches and coordinating. That's why we're getting a general manager in the sport. That's why we're getting literally a GM of football to be, you know, invested in the portal and keeping an eye on who all's there and when people need to visit and and trying to be this this chief secretary almost for all of the visits and all of these uh, moving parts to player and roster management and that's getting how how convoluted it's getting to where you can't even uh, be aware of everyone that might be on your radar. You need help with just everyone you're trying to talk to, both in the high school and college ranks at the moment. So you've got all this overlap. It was one thing that it was just the high school players, but then it's your own roster and everyone else's roster at all times. There's no window unless they are out of college eligibility where you have no chance of getting a player now. Mm. there It's always open season for everybody. The, the only thing that I could see putting a stop to it and it would it would take somebody with just absolutely they would have to they would they would step up and they would have to take it and know that the the world was about to fall in on top of them when they did this it would t- I, I think to, to stop it it would take a guy we we heard it uh you know last year uh preseason or no uh was it preseason? It was sometime during last year. It was um, Trent Dilfer. He came out in an interview and said, there are so many Power 5 coaches in my players' DMs right now, but I'm not going to say anything. It would take somebody, I think, to, 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 to stop the, the, you know, the constant uh, worrying about other, other programs. It would take somebody to step up and call those people out, call those coaches out, and uh, you know, report them to the NCAA for doing it. But, like I said, if you do that, you immediately take the risk of that, per- that, that program is going to look into that, – that program, that head coach then, is going to go after that coach. It's just it, – it, 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 would, it would be a firestorm after that for that coach. It, it, but I think that's what it would take is somebody coming out and saying, this is uh, – you know, these are the guys that are in my players' DMs. And yeah. then wait. What happened? Someone to see has what to happened. expose yeah. it. Yeah, but see, then 
most of the time, these people are also doing it. Yeah. That, and, and that's why they can't, because I know Mac Brown was talking about that with Drake May, uh, and it was pretty evident someone that needed a quarterback at a big school. I wouldn't have been shocked if it was Alabama, by the way. They recruited him very hard in high school, and they did needed an answer at quarterback this year, coming into the year. Uh, he was saying somebody uh, was potentially uh, kind of targeting Drake May there. And so uh, – that part of it, I'm sorry, you we you can come up with rules and, and all this sort of thing. That stuff cannot happen. That that is the stuff you cannot tamper with players in the middle of their seasons. That's where even I draw a line. Where I'm just I'm pretty much of the, of the standpoint and have been. I, I'm having to put more feet down now. You know, figure something out. Let's roll with it. Let's play football. And unfortunately, it's it's not it's not being able to be that way because we're just coming up with more and more dramatic stuff, honestly, uh, with, with player movement and that sort of thing. Uh, something last night I saw, so uh, this will, this will relate in a second. Something last night, I know it was basketball wise, but, um, last night I saw, uh, at point guard, you had Trey Donaldson, you had him make this great and one play. And on the bench, you saw, Aiden Holloway, who was the starting point guard, has lost minutes to Trey Donaldson. You saw Aiden Holloway, the very first person on a bench with Katie Johnson and with uh, Dylan Carwell, with all these guys that just absolutely are energy to the next uh, next round and just all these guys. You saw them... Congratulate him, but you saw Aiden Holloway be the first to congratulate Trey Donaldson. And that's something that you still love about college sports, and that's something that you love about the team aspect. And that thing will always remain when it comes to team sports and college sports. It's guys having joy for what they're doing, joy with their teammates, and that sort of thing. But as far as the way it used to be in terms of – these guys are not getting paid, a scholarship's enough, or that sort of thing. That's dead. That's not coming back. These guys are going to make money, whether we like it or not. So, in my opinion, what we really need to do is just embrace it, and I know that, in all likelihood, this will not be a a big uh, talking point for a lot of people, or at least this will not be uh, something that a lot of people agree with. I think we just need to admit there needs to be a salary cap. And I think that we just need to admit to the fact that we have to put some parameters around what teams can spend or what teams can can operate with players and that sort of thing. Um, I think that we're just going to have to do that. That's something that Lane Kiffin, I know, has been a proponent of. And that's what we need to do. Because if we don't, there's always going to be the next person doing this and the next person offering this and who can get what. And if you, I'm not saying you have to make a player maximum. Maximum can be your salary cap. They can make whatever within the confines of the cap. But there needs to be something that limits something. And I know that is such a very broad and like whatever, undescriptive statement. But you, it can't be nothing operates like the wild, wild west and, and succeeds this way in, in sports. They are, they are still got to be parameters around something at the end of the day. So 
people, when they hear salary cap or when they hear contract or something like that, they think NFL, they think professional. And I understand that. In a way, that is professional. But if we're paying these people, aren't we kind of already saying they're professional? Uh, to some degree, maybe they're not as professional, right? I mean, maybe, you know, you, you like take, for instance, something fast food wise. I know this point's dragging on, but take for something in a fast food industry. You might have a 17-year-old working in the same restaurant as a 47-year-old. That 47-year-old might be managing that store, that 17-year-old to cook or whatever. Well, you might not think of that 17-year-old as a professional because he's not moved up the ladder or that sort of thing, but he's making money. He's still doing just a smaller version of what everyone else in the building is doing. And that's the way I would look at it in college is, they're not full-fledged professional. They've not made the top tier of what they are trying to achieve, but they're making money. They're still just a little bit smaller version with a little bit less involved um, from a national perspective than, than what the NFL would be. So I know I went into a tangent there and went into everything, but I've kind of just committed to this idea that everyone's talking about we need something. We need this. We need that. We need some change this is getting out of hand my solution cap it uh and cap it for for a program and you know how you draw out um uh, how you say well why why is that uh, why would the the wealthy programs uh jive with that no they won't because they want to take advantage of the money take you take advantage of your money in different ways offer the best facilities in the country offer more ways to train offer better fan experiences put more but uh put more seats available do other things other than just flying across the country for a recruit that's how you use your resource pay coaches more there's still plenty of ways to use your resource more but there needs to be some sort of cap so that you know how you know the space you're operating within you know you've got to fit everybody in that cap and everyone understands that and the cap can be high i don't i don't have a, a good number right now that's i don't even know but you do need at some point um, a cap, and then you need someone to police it. You need someone with an actual backbone, not the NCAA, or at least a much better version of the NCAA that's going to actually say, okay, we are capable of policing 130 schools, and we're going to make sure they can find to that and report to it. That's my idea. Maybe it sucks. I don't know. Um, but the Sean Elliott stuff just got more into it as far as I just see this only continuing and becoming a bigger problem and becoming more of an issue. And at this point, I would just like someone to step up with something to where everyone can operate with the same knowledge uh, under some sort of umbrella that continues to usher in the next generation of the sport without excluding half the country or without making things incredibly confusing for all players, coaches alike. We're going to go to our first timeout of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll be back with more Sports Call right after this.
Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Hopefully I didn't run everyone off after getting on a soapbox for 10 minutes. Happy birthday to me. Um, it just was on my mind. That's what the Sean Elliott stuff brought up. We'll, we will have more of those conversations in the summer. They'll probably happen almost on a monthly basis, but uh, yeah, just got a little bit fired up there. For now, we want to go back to the orthopedic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show this afternoon, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Well, in the words of uh, Coach Sonny Smith, the biscuits are on the plate. Yeah, Yes, they were. And uh, it's Ward Dam Splash Bros, I understand, right? Uh, that's what they're uh, calling themselves there. Yeah, I listened to their uh, comments after the postgame show, uh, um, the, the game on the radio, and I love those comments. Splash Bros. One thing I can say about these guys, uh, or the whole team guys, we either have games that are just incredible, and they play incredibly, or they play, in the words of Sir, uh, shall I say his name, Sir Charles, they're terrible. Uh-huh. Uh, they're either terrible or they're incredible. Now, uh, even... <laughs> I heard the comments uh, from Coach Pearl. You know, can they maintain this? He says he doesn't know. He see they're that's unpredictable. You know, can they maintain this level of energy and uh, you know performance? Um, so I, I guess it's sad, unpredictable, right, guys? Yeah, I mean, and look, they're not uh, they're not going to maintain shooting sixty percent <laughs> from three. No, no, no. Yeah. but I'm just saying, Ryan, if they could just play at a two thirds of that performance level. For the remaining season into the state tournament, I don't know if any teams can beat them. Yeah, I mean, look, certainly not at home, and uh, you know that Tennessee game would be uh, incredibly interesting. And I, I hope that they can get through both Kentucky and Georgia. In the meantime, that would be probably a top ten uh, matchup in Knoxville, and then that would tell us a, a whole lot about it. Uh, but but yeah, no it, Auburn. The good news about Auburn is, no matter what they've not been able to achieve on the road yet or not. They have shown us a ceiling that very few teams have and that when they're locked in, they can do it on both ends of the floor. They can do it in a faster tempo game, a slower tempo game. Uh, They do it with depth. They do it with balance. So the good news is is that their ceiling, their ability to perform is is as high as just about anyone in the country. So obviously the battle, as it often is in sports, is the battle for consistency. 
Um, but 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 Auburn has shown many times this year that when they are on, it is pretty special. Well, I'll be completely candid with you. You know, guys, you've heard me say, like, you know, I'm yelling, I'm cursing for fans, you know, uh, during some of these nail-biting games, you know. Well, last night, for the first time that I could ever recall, uh, with that lopsided win that we were just in, the gap was getting better, my daughter was watching with me. Apparently, I nodded away a few times. My dad had a nudge and said, Dad, the game is still on. <laughs> that's how relaxed I was, guy, and I wasn't drinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's incredibly relaxed. Too relaxed. 101 yeah. to 61. And I, I said, well, I saw when it was 99. I said, will we make the 100, you know? And here comes our walk-ons, and they do it. I think, it was, was it Leroy Borman or was it uh, Jared Harper's uh, brother? So the walk-ons came on with 97, so Berman got them to 99, and then Jalen right. Harper got the 101. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then they didn't even try to shoot when they had uh, the possession. They just let the time run out. Is that considered to be a turnover? Yes, that was a team turnover. So uh, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it is. I mean, they shot clock violation. But yeah, so they they had six if you want to exclude that one. But uh, yeah, that was the seventh, and it just goes as a team turnover. Okay. I never, never, guys, imagined that kind of performance or that kind of a gap. I know this is record breaking, and I know you guys know that. But forty points. Wow. Uh, but put that away. I heard last night, and guys, do you uh, have any credibility that students already are got their tents and they're yes, they are uh, out on the campus? Is that right? They are already plentiful outside the village. Yep. Uh, what happened to classes? Uh, they're optional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to take your your exams, but uh, I guess some of those are optional. Or and also the truth is, you get big groups to kind of occupy the tent, and you kind of take turns, and you try to build it off your schedule a little bit. Now, some classes will absolutely be missed. I'm not going to say that they're all going to have perfect attendance, but uh, some of that you, you, you stay in shifts in your 10 and, and uh, go to classes as you need to. Uh, but to me, I mean, that's crazy. Wednesday night, or, I mean, it's not like we're playing uh, number one ranked team. It's Kentucky, yeah, they're a big rival, but it's not even Thursday or Friday to be doing this. I said, this is crazy. Insanity. All right. Uh, but given all that, uh, did you happen to see Mr. Bo Jackson there? Oh, yeah. I uh, saw him pretty quickly from the uh, video of him telling that kid to, to watch the game after he asked him for a selfie. And I located him and Hugh Freeze in the student section down there. They were right. about center court. Yeah. So I texted my daughter. I said, apparently Bo knows when to uh, sit down and watch the game. Yeah. So it was, uh, I was, I was now Charles wasn't there, right? Uh, not that I was aware of. I don't think Barkley was there. Yeah. Okay. So I've just looked at the uh, recent uh, projections for our seedings. I know they're all temporary. But uh, the Bracken Matrix people have us. Uh, we've jumped up to seeding number three with Alabama, Iowa State, and Baylor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that from uh, CBS Sports. They have Auburn currently projected to face Vermont in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then Joe Lenardi also has us as a number three uh, seeded bracket. And then Ken Palm, for a surprise, this really shocked me, has us ranked as number four in his uh, uh, rankings. Uh, yeah. So that, that's quite astounding. Yeah, Auburn has, has been ranked in Ken Palm high uh, all year. They've always exceeded the, what the AP poll has said. Uh, and, and again, analytics, too, they, they take into measure how bad you beat somebody, how close you lose by two. So uh, when you when you beat 
a team, and I know South Carolina was not too high in Kim Palm, but you beat a team like that by forty, you're you're going to be moving up just about no uh, wherever you you're ranked. Yeah, he where's he at South Carolina? They uh, they were forty one yesterday, but they fu- they fell to fifty today. Okay, yeah, fifty. Wow. Okay, and yet the AP had him ranked as number eleven. Okay, go go make sense of that. Uh, I haven't seen Jerry Palm. Uh, do you know what he has of that? Uh, if you just told him to have a seat, probably a four seed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we still got we've got a lot of games left to go. Uh, this Kentucky guys, does this trouble you more than the South Carolina matchup? Ah, uh, well, I mean, I think in hindsight, yeah, because Kentucky's not going to lose by forty. Um, I, it's a different style of team. It's a team that will score uh, a lot of points. They will also give up a lot of points. So. Uh, maybe my little bit of hesitancy would be after Auburn just shot the absolute lights out, uh, can they truly duplicate that against a team that they're certainly going to have a lot of opportunities to do so? Uh, and so I, I think that uh, with Kentucky, the, the moral of the story is going to kind of be that uh, you have to score uh, to keep up with them and that there's not many teams that are going to uh, it's going to hold them down. Now, Auburn has an opportunity to do that. But, yeah, I mean, it's Kentucky, and uh, I, I will definitely be flabbergasted if Auburn wins this game any anywhere as easily as they did against South Carolina. Yeah, I don't think they – I'm Mike's concerned, will this be a, uh, a strong emotional letdown, sort of like the Alabama game? I, I think the good news is it shouldn't because it is, A, it's Kentucky, but then, B, it's college game day, and I think that they want to showcase – uh, for the world, what's going on here with the basketball program? So I would not say that. I would say the game after Kentucky uh, would be a, a potential emotional letdown. But the good news is, in that Every respect, call. right? That's when you have the the midweek buy. So uh, by that point, you should be itching to play again. So I think that this is actually a pretty pretty good time to have have that midweek buy. But no, I I think they'll be very jacked up to play on Saturday. Okay, and then moving on real quickly, I just saw that. Our uh, softball team won the first game. Do you know how they're doing the second yeah, game? Yeah, so they uh, they just had a walk-off. They uh, had a bases loaded, uh, bottom of the seventh in a 0-0 game, and it was a walk-off walk. So Auburn wins one nothing. That Utah team was ranked in the top 25, though. So that is a uh, – no matter how you get it, that was an important win for them. Yeah, my concern is about their defense, guys. We were winning 6-1 to one, uh, yesterday evening, I think. Yeah. And uh, they ended up having to go to extra innings. Uh, well, yeah, I I, I think that uh, they gave up another grand slam, and yeah, uh, you know, I I didn't see if there were errors, but that's more of a pitching thing if you're giving up home runs and, and timely spots like that. Um, and I think that uh, I think Brooks just said they only had one error in the game yesterday. So I mean, you don't want to have any, but that's not that's not kicking the ball around by any means. So. I, again, I haven't been able to watch much of it as it is in Mexico and we've been at work during this, but um, I can tell you that I think the con- major concern is still overall hitting and uh, you know maybe maybe pitching beyond Matty Penta. And the uh, girls team is playing Kentucky tonight, right? Yes, and uh, Auburn, I think uh, Coach Johnny Harris, so Johnny Harris was at the uh, men's game last night. I th- believe she said something in the neighborhood of if, if Auburn got 3,500 in attendance, that would break the single-season attendance uh, record for Auburn women's basketball. So it, they will do it this year. It's just a matter of if they, if they can do it tonight against Kentucky. Kentucky is not very good, so this is a really good chance for Auburn to win another game. 
Okay, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I didn't know if they're even ranked. Yeah, the, the, oh no, they're not. They're not good at all in women's basketball. I think. I think they're only eight and something. I'll double check the exact record, uh, but they've been at the bottom of the league. Yeah, they're uh, nine and fifteen, two and eight in the SEC. And then I read uh, from ESPN, I think that a lady by the name of Caitlin for women's basketball, Caitlin Clark, is, yeah, she can break the uh, women's all-time scoring record by uh, scoring at least eight points tonight. Is that right? Yes, and I'm going to break the news that she's going to do it because she averages 32 points a game. Okay, so do you know where that puts her in terms of breaking the all-time record, men's and women's? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I think know. at one time she was like 32 points away, or, or maybe it was more than that. Yeah, I, I, she, I, uh, I don't know. She's a heck of a player then. Yes. All right, guys, uh, that's all I've got. Thank you for listening to me. And TP? Yes, sir. Hey, War Eagle, man. War Eagle to you too, Steve. Y'all have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, thanks always uh, for taking my phone call. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take one more time out, start to wrap up hour number two, and look forward to hour number three right after this. call crew wants to hear from you give us a phone call at 334-887-3401 want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childers with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Just a few minutes left here in hour number two, so let's head back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. You know, speaking of basketball, I remember last year, uh, you know, when you had all the Caitlin Clark scoring a lot of points, and the, and the deal they had with Angel Reese going back and forth, all the trash talking before they met up in the tournament or whatnot. And you know, I enjoyed watching all that. And then when we got in the tournament, I enjoyed it even more. You know, but uh, hey, she's done a great job. But uh, and she's gonna break that w- women's record. Uh, what tonight or tomorrow night when they play again? Uh, yeah, should be tonight. Yep. Well, that'd be uh, I tell you a major accomplishment for. Her. But you know, as far as uh, Pistol Pete's record, now I don't think that should be because she's not a man and she's not playing against men. So you really can't. I mean, she might have more points than he got, but that's in another classification division. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's still it's still a different competition. It is still, um, it, it's yeah, it's still a, a different subset there. So. Uh, I do, in general, think that the record should be separate, and that doesn't take away at all from what's being accomplished here. But, but yeah, no, no. they don't yeah. do that. No. You know, and just keep it separate because that's just exactly what yeah, it don't is. Don't do I what? Mean, that's just, that's what was just it like doing? saying, 
that's just like saying that if you uh which I believe one day there is going to be a college of football for women. I, I do believe that it's going to be one day, and women will have their own team. That's just like seeing you get a young woman that comes in and, and uh, is a running back and and end up leaving Auburn with five thousand yards rushing. Then you can't just jump up and say, "Oh, uh, she's Auburn's overall all-time leading rusher uh, over Bo Jackson." Because because I mean that just ain't the same thing. Uh, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. What, what I don't see what the disagreement was there, but okay. But what I'm saying is uh, the media is what I'm – not with you, but what I'm saying, the media is going to go ahead and just say she's uh, already magically didn't pass over Pistol Pete is what I'm saying because they were already talking that uh, a few days ago. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, like yeah, I said, yeah, they're, they're still separate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, uh, we're, we're – we're, hey, we're aligned there. We're good. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. But anyway, uh, I'm going to get in this gym and get me a workout, and I'll talk to you all later. Sounds good, Anthony. Appreciate the call. All right. That is Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Good stuff there from Anthony. As I'm about to wrap up this second hour of the program. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, coming up in the third hour, when we get to it in just a second, we'll have a sports call at 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. And we'll also get into some Auburn baseball. As, again, the Tigers take the diamond tomorrow for opening day. Uh, Steve had just asked a few minutes ago, uh, if you did not hear it, the, the softball team was able to walk off on a top 25 Utah team, walk off walk, uh, and so won one nothing. So their trip to Mexico going well, so good stuff there. And, again, we'll be back to uh, hit on some of the preseason baseball expectations for Auburn baseball and give you a look towards the Tigers' season as they get going. Tomorrow you're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the show. Coming up in just a second, our Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. In just a little bit, we'll get to Auburn baseball as we get set to uh, open up the 2024 season at Plainsman Park tomorrow. Again, we spoke with Auburn pitching coach Everett Tiford yesterday. If you missed that, that's available on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. 
available wherever you may get your podcast. Uh, let's do the sports call five at five today. Again, as always, it's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334 334- 707-4273 or find them online at sclanegroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we're going to go over five great individual performances from last night's Auburn and South Carolina game as the Tigers tackled South Carolina 101-61. to So let's start with number one. Of course, got to start with the great play of Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, but first with Jalen Williams, 23 points on the night, 8 of 11, 5 of 7 from downtown. Also had two steals and was a plus 22 on the evening. Jalen Williams had a big night after a little bit of struggle in Gainesville. Number 2. Janai Broom was awesome. 21 points on 8 of 15, but 4 of 5 from 3. That's something that Broom uh, really needed to come back to college for. I think that's what the NBA evaluators had told him. And it was really... Um, kind of a focal point for him he had struggled mightily to start the year just like he had last year but he's starting to pick it up and obviously a four of five night last night certainly helps that number three trey donaldson with a very nice night uh, something that uh, maybe the box score was not going to sound as impressive but 11 points four assists zero turnovers and two steals on five of eight shooting that's the kind of consistent efficient play Auburn has looked for out of the point guard position and he was certainly very efficient he took care of the ball he created a couple of of steals and fast break opportunities it was really nice night overall for Trey Donaldson number four on the sports call five at five presumed by Southeastern Lane Group a perfect night from the floor for Chad Baker Mazar he did not play much played 15 and a half minutes but he had 10 points and five rebounds in that amount of time to go along with three assists and uh, really efficient play. You can't be more efficient than perfect. Four of four, two of two from three. So Chad Baker Mazzara had a nice night for the Tigers. And last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number five. Another performance I want to highlight because this one's an odd one. Dylan Cardwell. So uh, two of three from the floor, four of four from the foul line. Great. Eight points. Great. He did not have a rebound. But he had five assists. Very rare for your backup center to have five assists. He also had four block shots of the night. That's a little more common for Dylan. So very unique stat line. Both teams only had 29 rebounding, uh, 29 rebounds, excuse me, because there was not a lot of missed shots on Auburn's side of things. Uh, and so not a lot of rebounding opportunities. But Dylan Cardwell with an 8.5 assists, four block night, uh, kind of finishes off and culminates our sports call five at five, presented by. Southeastern Land Group. All right, guys, so let's talk some Auburn baseball. Again, we had Everett Tiford on yesterday. Really enjoyed that chat with him and appreciate for that. We hope to get Butch Thompson on here uh, in the coming weeks as we get closer to SEC play. And, of course, the Tigers last year uh, were in a situation where uh, overall uh, the team was pretty solid. Uh, They found some production from a transfer like Cooper McMurray. They Got production out of freshman Ike Irish. But really, on the pitching side of things, we might start there first. 
really wanted to get something meaningful out of Joseph Gonzalez. He had had a, a 3 or 320 or so ERA uh, the previous season, was looking like the next kind of Tanner Burns, Casey Mize type of op- option for Auburn's pitching staff. And unfortunately, pitched one game, five shutout innings, and that was all she wrote on the 2023 season. So you look at that pitching staff from last year, uh, because, look, I, I do want to say this, that the scoring in, in college baseball is a little higher than Major League Baseball, so some of these ERAs, if you're used to the Major League game, will sound high. Only one team had a sub-4 ERA in the SEC, and that was Tennessee, just for instance. But nevertheless, Auburn did rank 10th in the league in, in ERA, uh, and that's something that they're going to have to improve on this year. Their ERA was 5.76 on the year, so obviously giving up about six runs a game there when you factor in errors. Um they need a little bit better of a pitching cycle, especially with some bats that meant a lot to them leaving off of last year's team, guys. Uh, they they have an interesting amount of questions, and again, a league that does not really allow you to take much time in asking those and answering those questions. Yeah, I think um, I think that's a really good way of putting it. You know, uh, I wouldn't take much stock against Eastern Kentucky. I think if you want to know. Kind, I'm not saying we'll know everything, but I think if you want to get a good taste of what Auburn's going to be like this year, I think the Jacks College Baseball Classic next weekend, I think we'll learn a lot as uh, Auburn's slated to face Iowa, who's one of the better Big Ten programs. You know, Big Ten baseball is pretty bad, but they're actually one of the better ones who can make it at least, you know, to a super regional. So they're they're a solid program. Uh, Wichita State and Virginia. Virginia has been very good of lately, um, very good program there. So I think we can learn a lot, and I think we can get a taste of what we can expect for the next uh, – for this coming season. But, you know, we talk about how last year it was just – you know, we kind of talk about like it was a bad year. They did – host a region <laughs> like yes. they, they did host one as far-fetched as it sounds if you would have told me that after they got ran out of the building by southeast louisiana i would have called you crazy but they they got things turned around i think that just goes to show how good of a coach butch thompson is because you know he did that without his ace and joseph gonzalez and they were a really young team and they just kind of got together and now they're older and they got some key parts out of the portal and uh I'm really excited to see this team, and uh, you know, I just mentioned the that Virginia game. I, I can I cannot wait to watch that one on February 25th, and uh, also got some good out of conference games. You got UConn coming in. UConn, you know, two years ago they went to a super regional and they took Stanford to three games. So they're a really good program there up in UConn, and uh, Air Force isn't bad, and you know, there's some other ones and the SEC slate. I mean. I mean, there are some really good games. So if Auburn's good this year, I mean, they'll they'll be hosting another regional, and they'll be a, probably a pretty high seed. So I think the sky's the limit for Auburn, and uh, I can't wait to watch them play some baseball this year. What about you, Brooks? Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think this start this year is not going to be – like it was last year. Um, I, I, I very glad that Auburn baseball got that, uh, Jack's, uh, Jacksonville tournament in the, um, in, in the schedule, because you look at last year's and I, I know these aren't, 
you know, the, the cream of the crop with baseball. But you, you opened up with Indiana. Then your second series of the year was that USC series, which uh, was supposed to be out in California, but they ended up moving it yeah, to – flooding. Yeah, they, they ended up moving it to Auburn. Uh, ended in a, the, the third game ended in a tie, uh, but you were on your way to sweep that. But it's still, a, it, it's still two programs in Indiana and USC to open up your season that are, you know, have a little bit more talent than some of these other squads. The the you, you had Lipscomb and you had Southeast Louisiana uh, to end your non-conference slate or your your main portion of non-conference slate before you got to the um, the conference area, uh, the conference part of the season. This year, you you know, like you mentioned, TP, you got Eastern Kentucky uh, outside of that Jacksonville tournament, and you got UConn, uh, Austin P, Air Force before you hit uh, before you hit that uh, first series first conference series on the road at Vanderbilt. I think that Jack's baseball classic is going to be big for this this team because you're playing away from from Plainsman Park and you're kind of in you're in a tournament style kind of deal you're you're you feel it's going to feel like a regional kind of deal deal where you're you're not in front of you know your fans and you're playing three different opponents over three different days um i think that can go a long way to help them uh when you look at this the you look at the conference slate i, I mentioned it yesterday there are and i know it's super early there are eight first round draft prospects in the sec uh, five, I think five hitters, three pitchers, and then I, I mentioned yesterday a couple of those hitters also all, can also pitch too. And so it's you, you've got eight first rounders that you're going up against this year, um, or have the potential to go up against this year in the Southeastern Conference. That's a lot of competition. And Auburn uh, is, is picked toward the bottom of the SEC West again this year, and it's not. And, and you know, people are going to look at that and, and say it's a slight. Uh, it is. It, it it's not a slight toward Auburn. It's a. It, it's a look at the rest of this conference. The the SEC is stacked. If the sixth best, you know, let's say you know Auburn's picked sixth, I think the sixth best team in the SEC West in Auburn can go and beat a lot of good ba- baseball teams around the country. Um, there, it, it this is it is a a stacked baseball conference. When you look at how they need to get started this year, it, it's it's like we talked with uh, uh, Coach Tiford yesterday. The pitching staff in in particular needs to pound the strike zone. Needs to not. Act like these teams are uh, are Eastern Kentucky or are UConn or are Austin P. You got to go out there and act like these are SEC opponents and play them like they're SEC opponents to get into the mode of playing SEC opponents. If you're beating teams, you know, eleven to three or something like that because you're playing them very hard, that's that's fine. Go out there and play them like they're SEC opponents and you know make, game plan like it's an SEC uh, SEC slate because this year. And you know we've mentioned on the show before. You've got Vanderbilt. You've got Arkansas. You got Texas A&M. You got Tennessee. Uh, you've got Kentucky, Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, and Alabama on your schedule. There's you know Alabama, uh, Ole Miss looks to have a rebound this year. LSU, you know they're good. Tennessee's good. Texas A&M's good. Arkansas is very good. Vanderbilt's very good. Those are a lot of tough opponents. It's it's. It, you're you're not getting any and, and you know you get to you get the you get to avoid the Floridas and the South Carolinas uh, that South Carolina was a number two ranked team last year at one point when Auburn went up there and beat them in Columbia. Um, it there there are a lot of really good baseball teams in this conference and there you know you you've got to prepare going into it like you're playing a conference game every single weekend because once you get to that conference that that conference slate like you're going to need all the the help you can get. Well, and I know that you were talking a little bit about. Um, the SEC schedule there too 
But similar to what the Auburn softball team is doing, uh, they have that kind of really, and I know TP, you mentioned this, they've got a really big tournament in the second week of the year because honest, honestly, with with the rest of their non-conference, UConn is, is okay. They've got some votes to be ranked, and, and they could be a factor. But they have the opportunity when they do play Iowa and Virginia – uh, and look, this is just uh, one of the polls. They're all going to be all over the place. So I'm using the USA Today coaches poll. There's going to be D1 baseball. There's going to be other polls. They'll be higher or lower depending on where they are. I was ranked number 20 in the preseason, and Virginia is ranked number 11. So if you want a little flavor of the type of caliber team you're going to play week in and week out in the SEC, that's it. Now, granted, you'll play those teams once, and you'll play the SEC teams three times, but – uh, that's again, that's the right caliber for what you're going to do. And just about everyone has uh, really good runs in, in non conference because they're playing smaller conference teams all over the place and, uh, and that sort of thing. But that's going to be the first like real test for where Auburn's at, who they decide to pitch in those games, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, when I look back to last year's team, obviously Bryson Ware is someone that is going to be very hard to replace. 20 home run hitter, hit 350 or so. Uh, he just uh, – the improvement – Second highest batting average on the team last uh-huh, year. To behind Ike Irish. He he had such a leap into the power department last year. Uh, Auburn's obviously going to hope for similar production out of Cooper McMurray, hopefully get him, um, get him going again. Um, I, I know that transfer-wise, they did bring in a couple guys, someone like Derek Fabian out of Florida, who I think will help them in the middle infield, brought in Christian Hall from UAB, who uh, might be an option at, at DH from time to time. We'll see how they kind of go about it there. Um, you know, I think that they they are probably – Look, this is uh, this is kind of how Auburn baseball is. That's the nature of it. They could really go either way because of how tough the league is. To be fair, most of these teams could go either way. But the best version of themselves, they replace Ware's production and power with guys they already have. Ike Irish ends up being, uh, again, an all-conference type of performer. And you go down the list and you just get uh, solid improvements from a guy like Chris Stanfield and that sort of thing. You get a healthy Joseph Gonzalez on the mound. You, you Will Cannon gets even better as your late-inning guy. Uh, and, and you go from there. That's the best case. The worst case is you can't quite replace that production of Bryson Ware. And the newcomers don't add much. And, uh, you know, you just don't get enough uh, power to offset a team that was, again, 10th in ERA in the league last year. And so – there is some concern there. And, again, the SEC in baseball is just crazy. We were talking about recruiting rankings when they were in the top ten and how oh, about, I think, three or four of the top five were in the SEC, so Auburn being fifth. Yeah, they were still behind, like, three SEC teams. Um, the preseason poll for, again, St. Paul USA Today coaches poll. LSU, two, not in the conference, country. Florida, three. Arkansas, four. Vandy, six. Tennessee, eight. Texas A&M, ten. So there you go. That is six of the preseason top ten teams in the country right in the SEC. Uh, you go down the list, of course, Auburn does play Virginia. They're 11th. I know it's not relevant to this year, but Texas is 13th, and oh, by the way. Uh, and then you go down a little further. you got Alabama 17th. They'll see Alabama late in the season, obviously. And then you have South Carolina 21st. So you do have eight ranked teams, but, again, six of them are expected to be 
again, college World Series contending type of teams, just in your very own conference. Auburn does have the fifth most to be ranked, uh, fifth most votes to be ranked in this poll. They are 30th overall. And then right behind them, you've got other teams, Ole Miss. Ole Miss won a title two years ago. Then they were not any good last year. What version of Ole Miss do you get? But Ole Miss has some votes to be ranked. Uh, you, that UConn team that Auburn does have a series with does have some votes to be ranked. I believe Auburn's got Georgia Tech on the schedule this year. They've got some votes to be ranked, so you've got that. And then Kentucky has votes, and that is a series Auburn will play this year. It's just the nature of SEC baseball. It Obviously, it will not ever get as much attention as basketball or football, but the SEC in baseball is, is killer. I mean, they are uh, just as reigning supreme in baseball as they are in any other conference, and it's this way every year. So Auburn, as you guys said, they walk into a lesser league. Maybe they walk into the Big Ten or something like that. They might win the Big Ten or finish second in the Big Ten, but they might also finish seventh or eighth or ninth in the SEC with how loaded the conference can be. And so I think that overall you're just looking at a situation where you need the best version of Joseph Gonzalez. You need the best version of a guy like Chase Alsup this year. You need the best version of uh, Chris Stanfield and – of Ike Irish and Cooper McMurray and just all these different guys that um, kind of already have contributed for you. And then you need still one or two or three of the newcomers uh, to contribute. And then once you get that meshing of guys, uh, that's when you get into a much better spot. But uh, obviously lineup-wise for this team, again, you lose someone like Bryson Ware. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe – uh, Bobby Pierce gone, Cole Foster gone too, mm-hmm. um, and so you're you're looking at um, a lot of different replacements there. Where um, those guys were in your lineup for a long period of time, and you have to um, you have to find the new new way. Bobby Pierce is back. My, my apologies on that. Cole Foster is not, uh, but so you kind of have a mixed bag, and that's basically how it goes it was a team that did not hit for a ton of power last year they were middle of the pack but they were i believe fifth in batting average in the league so they were competitive there so again you're trying to see if you can marry up one part of the team to the other in terms of not either either side's going to be elite but neither side's going to be awful either and you just grind out wins and grind out wins and as you guys said auburn was a regional host last year so uh, they were able to do it pretty successfully. didn't go well in the postseason. But, um, again, Butch Thompson will keep this program, this team competitive, and that, at the end of the day, um, is really all you can ask for in this conference with how loaded it is baseball-wise. We're going to head to our next timeout of the show. But as we do, you enjoyed that conversation about Auburn baseball. We have two tickets to give away for the Saturday game in Plainsman Park. This is a 1 o'clock start time in Plainsman Park for Auburn and Eastern Kentucky this Saturday. First caller to 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 gets two free tickets to Auburn and Eastern Kentucky inside of Plainsman Park. This Saturday sports call returns after this timeout. Stay tuned. 
You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday edition of the show. About a half hour remaining in today's show. Uh, no one called in during the break, so if you were out there wondering if you should call in, now is your time. The first person to call in to 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Two tickets to Auburn and Eastern Kentucky Baseball this Saturday inside of Plainsman Park. Of course, opening weekend for the Tigers as they try to build off of last year's uh, regional host spot. So first caller, two tickets still available to Auburn and Eastern Kentucky. And uh, again, guys, this team has been pretty uh, pretty consistent overall with Butch Thompson in terms of being uh, competitive and uh, looking forward to seeing this. I know, Brooks, that you're already excited. You've already got some tickets uh, lined up that you've uh, checked out for the Hall of Fame Club, and you're going yeah. to get to check that out here in about a month. Yeah, they went on sale last month or something like that, and I, uh, I immediately got some, and it's going to be fun. They, they it released some photos uh, today, I think, of the, the, of the, the new area, and it's, it looks uh, just almost like the ren- – basically just like the renderings uh, when they announced them that, uh, late or mid last year uh in july so it, it's going to be great bringing it's bringing more premium spots to to auburn to plainsman park which is what you know we've talked about in the past john cohen has made a big big push to do that making more premium stuff and more premium uh experiences but it's um it's an affordable one like people can like anybody can go out and buy these tickets it's not like you have to donate x amount of money to the athletic department to be able to get these access to these tickets anybody can do it and then tp didn't you get some tickets to the uh, well I, I didn't know about it until brooks mentioned it but yeah uh, i'm me and one of my good friends who's big into you know baseball we're, we've been looking into getting some of those and brooks is right you know this isn't just like us just you know selling you on something they, they are very affordable like you can get like the these really good tickets, especially for out of conference games, like especially the UConn one. I keep coming back to that one. I mean, last year they went forty-four and seventeen. That's a good. That's a good team. That I saw they were like what I think like forty bucks or something like that. So some along that ballpark. You can find it on AuburnTickets.com or whatever. But yeah, I'm definitely gonna be looking into that. And then they did announce Brooks. What you were telling me about the, what's gonna happen with the outfield situation. Yeah. So they they announced uh, earlier today. Uh, released the um, the uh, new student experience in the outfield. Uh, it's going to be the back forty deck, is what they're calling it, presented by a sponsor or whatever. Um, but it's it's the back forty deck out there, and it is uh, just out beyond the outfield fence next to the visiting bullpen. I'm sure in the past few years, if you've been to Plainsman Park or if you've watched the game on TV, you've noticed people standing out there. Uh, it's gotten really it was really popular during the. Um, during SEC, a uh, big SEC uh, uh, series, and then into postseason the last couple years for students to get out there. Uh, and, and really, the, this isn't going to help the, the visitors because they the students would be out there banging on the side of the bullpen and, and yelling, going back and forth with some of the bullpen pitchers, which was hilarious to watch. 
um, but they've got a new uh, new deck out there for students and for uh, uh, general public out there, but it's on a first-come, first-served basis to get out there for games. You don't have to have a ticket to get there, but you cannot get into the ballpark without a ticket. You can stand outside and watch it. Uh, they're going to have food trucks out there, I think, for some games. Uh, a lot of the conference games they will, but it's a, it, they, they continue to improve the atmosphere at, at Plainsman Park, who is, you know, we, we've talked about it in the past. Plainsman Park has always been a, a, a top-tier facility in the SEC, and, a, you know, a lot of people talk about how it's how, how great of a baseball facility it is. But when it comes to, you know, the, the stands and the, the, where the spectators area, it's kind of fallen behind uh, some of the SEC parks after some improvements. The big one was a couple years ago with what Mississippi State did to uh, Duty Noble Field, where they, they added so many seats. I think it's like uh, you, you've got, what, 14,000 for showing up for baseball now out there at, in, in Mississippi State. Uh, and Auburn started to, to build on that with more, like we mentioned a minute ago, more premium experiences and now making improvements out there to get more students into uh, into the baseball uh, and make the student environment at the baseball games a bit uh, more active. And, and you got to do that because that's uh, everyone else in this league, it feels like, that has been really good at baseball, has been improving their stadium, has been improving their uh, viewing experience for – uh, just a little bit more rowdiness. I mean, the, you go to Ole Miss or something like that, uh, and that or Arkansas. I mean, that's a very rowdy baseball environment. On top of obviously the teams are very good, um, and, and Auburn has still been struggling to pack the ballpark out every single game or, or most games. And uh, I think offering a few different ways to view the games uh, could help that a little bit uh, and just bring more interest in and. Obviously, the team's been battling to, again, stay towards the top of the SEC, but I think that adding that outfield experience, and I know a lot of people still excited uh, for what will happen with the, the Green Monster and left. I, I personally would have loved seating there. I don't know if standing is, is what will always be up there, but uh, just the factor of being able to be up there uh, is going to be just a, a, a cool and different experience. So I, I definitely... I think they've done a, a pretty good job of, of, of starting to reimagine that. And if you just want to go again, as you brought up, Brooks, with, with John Cohen, I mean, that's he has been all about that for these facilities. And, again, that's why I'm sure that after – again, it might take some time, but after Auburn and Jordan-Hare Stadium gets the video board up, something else will go with it. Uh, that They are building this video board specifically so that there can be an addition – uh, to it, and I think that that will probably be some sort of uh, a premium experience, and, and I don't know what particularly they have in mind for it, but again, I agree with that because I think that Auburn's in a pretty good place with the size and the capacity of their places. Um, yes, Neville Arena in hindsight could could be bigger, but at the same time, it's you're still not necessarily getting every button seat in non-conference. Uh, I know that the demand has really increased prices and that sort of mm. thing, but I, again, I can't really imagine being many more than eighty-eight thousand people on a week-to-week basis inside yeah. of Jordan Hare. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it, it, you you know in, in theory you know you get the you you would have thought that maybe you put a third deck over there uh, that kind of you know. 
turns into a, a, a horseshoe kind of shape. But with the, the renderings of this new scoreboard, uh, like you were talking about, it doesn't feel like that's the next move. It feels like, like you said, it is a premium experience. Maybe get it up to maybe add a few thousand spots in that premium experience, get you up to 90,000, I think, you know, about there. Get right there with, uh, with Sanford Stadium for Georgia. But there's not as, you know, I, I think that everywhere – you know, it, it everywhere there's you know good size. Uh, I think ev- all the stadiums have good size. I, plus, you know, you, you look around the 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 um, the athletic facilities. There's not a lot of places to expand of how they've been built uh, to to accommodate more and more people. Um, but I, I I agree. I think that the the, the big move, and we, I th- we've already seen it here with the on field suites for for Junior Stadium. Um, with, with moving the the media seating at um, at Neville Arena to add some more premium spots down uh, closer to the court, right above where the team runs out, with this new Hall of Fame club, with the new uh, first base uh, suites that are going in, plus the Green Monster at baseball, you're you're, you're uh, a heavy focus on premium seating to 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 not fully you know do a huge stadium expansion anywhere, but add a few more butts in seats where you can make some more money. For for athletics. Let's head back to the orthopedic clinic phone line 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one at triple eight nine tiger nine next up on the show Michael from Auburn. Michael is with us. Michael how are you today? I'm doing good guys I was just listening to the comments I, I, I love that you know we have an athletic director that is you know wanting to put stuff in the facilities if you look across the, the state and you see the success that, that they've had you know with programs, but I still look and I, it scratches my head of, of that they're still playing at Coleman Coliseum uh, and that nothing has really been done and no talks. And I, my question all along has just been like, how long is it going to take until, you know, they do something there? And now that Saban's not there, uh, they really don't have a, a, a reasoning. And if I was Nate Oaks, I would make that push. But uh, I, I'm just curious of how long, you know, they continue or. Or maybe he doesn't want that, you know, with his comments, you know, that we play in a high school arena and, you know, cram people in there. But, I mean, when you watch it on TV, I mean, I'm much, you know, I've, I've seen the environment. I've been in the environment. When you watch on TV with Coleman Coliseum, it's pretty awful. Um, just personally, just, just just looking out there. So curious of what your guys' thoughts is on that. I know that's the, the, the team across the state, but compared to Neville Arena, sure. I, I think I like what we're doing. Sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I think, Michael, I think that Coleman, they looked into it, and we appreciate that phone call. I, I think that they looked into it for a little bit of time, and it was one of the things that they shelled for a later date. And I would recommend uh, them get building a new basketball arena, and I would probably go in the ten to 12,000-seat range for them, um, 10, 11,000, something like that. Right now, Coleman's 15-3. Uh, because I think that at the same time, it's not about what you can do at your peak. And I think that people have rethought the way that they build these basketball venues or, or some of these venues, uh, because even some baseball stadiums, I'll tell you, are not necessarily as big capacity-wise as maybe their predecessor. Like, Truist Park is not as many seats as what Turner Field was. But it's about enhancing the experience and the desire to go to fill what you have. And Alabama, they might sell some of those tickets, and we just don't see those people show up. But they're not getting anywhere close to 15000 for these non-conference games, 
or for again these uh, these teams that are not performing. Even a ranked Alabama team, unless it's a ranked team coming in there or Auburn, somebody they're not getting the, the fifteen thousand there. So that tells me that they're a they their facility's too big. But b it tells me also, I, and I have been in there once or twice. Um, yeah, it's it is not good looking, and I'm not saying every place has to look like a palace or look beautiful or anything like that, but it justifiably gets the jokes and flack that it gets. And <laughs> this is not an everyday occurrence, but it's not good when the lights are off on the place for the for the biggest game of the year. Uh, so I I would I have recommended for them since I ever stepped foot. I had a buddy that that went to Alabama, so I went with him to a game in there. And I recommend it ever since that point. Actually, when I got to go in the building, yeah, this thing's got to be got to be different. This, this is this is just way behind the times, and it is too big, uh, and there's too much room. Even if you got the bodies in there, I mean, it, it checks almost none of the boxes other than hey, we have a bigger arena than some. So, uh, I, I I think that they do need to go in a different direction there. I know also that they had investigated, uh, you know, obviously they, they did some baseball renovation too recently, so they, they spent some money there. But uh, that could be something that uh, it, it, I would love to hear. I, I don't, uh, maybe I don't care that much, but I, I, I would want to hear, I guess, um, what Nate Oates thought about it. Um, because obviously, as Michael, as you alluded to, those, those comments were made, but also uh, they can't like seeing only 8,000 or 9,000 seats occupied in, in certain games and uh, and then making it look as bad as it does look uh, from time to time in non-conference games and that sort of thing and in, in weaker conference games or in weaker seasons. So I think that has just been the move. I even read today, and I, I guarantee you my parents' ears are going to perk up on this uh, as they're still listening. Uh, there's even talk that they might do something different at North Carolina moving forward and uh, either renovate the Deanie Smith Center or build something new uh, in Chapel Hill. And I have no idea, but I would also speculate that if they build something new, it probably will not be quite as big as 22.5. They're not going to go down to 9 or 10, uh, but but I, I, I highly doubt it would be to build it bigger. Um, it would probably be to build it nicer or to upgrade the amenities and that sort of thing. So that's kind of been the trend in basketball, whereas football, we've – we've seen the sport boom so much you do sometimes get bigger venues and you add on basketball you've it's almost been a little bit reversed not like the sport struggling it is not also I mean, it feels like a lot of sports are, are still doing better but it's more conducive to uh sacrificing a few seats to get the other parts of the arena experience right and i think auburn has continued to do that again auburn auburn getting nine thousand. The, for the biggest games, I promise you, if Auburn had a twelve, if if Beard Eves was still operational, they'd fill Beard Eves up this Saturday. Like I, I promise, it, it's not about what you can do once or twice a year. It's what you do most of the time, how it looks, and how you are able to build an experience for those people to want to go back. So uh, that's why I think Auburn has done such a good job, guys. Any thoughts on? On maybe the size of these bad boys, I know Brooks that you you are 
sometimes not as big of a proponent in decreasing size. Yeah, because I, I think that you know, and I know what's what you're you know you, you try to in Auburn's case, you know, you you looked at the the Auburn Arena, you built it, you kind of went down because Auburn basketball was not in the best of places when it was built. You hired Tony Barbie, which you hoped would turn things around because Tony, uh, I think he got UTEP to a, a NCAA tournament right before he got he there. Did. You, you he did. He stumbled him. into that. Yeah. You, you hired him and like th- and you thought that maybe he could turn things around and get Auburn basketball to a good place and he didn't and then you went and got Bruce Pearl you got you you got Bruce Pearl and when you know when they hired Bruce Pearl I don't you know I, I, I feel like you know when Jay Jacobs the athletic director at the time probably you know said he can get us back to a good spot I don't know if anybody could have predicted this happening to Auburn basketball where you are consistently selling out arenas you you've got you know season ticket wait lists you've got you know as soon as this as single game tickets go on sale they're gone uh uh, when you know, tickets, when single game tickets do go on sale, it's only standing room only that you can get your hands on, and they're gone. Um, and so I understand what, when when Auburn did that. Other other sports, you know, Baylor just opened up a new, very small arena, and Baylor basketball in both sides of of the equation, boy, uh, men's and women's basketball, are not struggling. They're they're very good programs, and they went and they opened up a small arena. Um, which is, you know, again, is fine. I just, I don't like it from a, a fan perspective where it then drives up your ticket costs to get in. I, I, I understand, and I, I you know, sure. I, I do agree with what you were saying, Ryan, with creating more, uh, uh, creating more experience at the at the arena. Creating rather, more value, I guess. Yeah, yeah, creates more value. You know, get the experience right, uh, and you know, make it an enjoyable time. But when fewer and fewer people can enjoy that, I, I think that kind of maybe defeats your purpose of you know of, of looking after the the grassroots fan that you you have and and not just fans that can quote unquote afford to get in. Um, it's it it's a, it's a double edged sword really because you want to you want to make your fans happy, but you're also in it to make money. That's what these sports are for for universities is to make money. I think I think you bring up a really good point. You know, from like a watching a basketball perspective, I like the smaller gyms because you can you know you can hear the sound through the mm. TV. You know, it sounds like a real hornet's nest in there. But like you said, from a fan perspective, as someone, you know, who went to Auburn and, you know, just recently graduated, it sucks trying to get in there. You know, I love watching Auburn basketball. I really do. But do I have, you know, two days to spend in a tent or do, you know, do I have multiple hours on end to wait in line and whatnot? No, I really don't. And so, and even now that I'm not, you know, ticket prices are absurd i mean they are really high and that you know that's good for the athletic department you know bravo cheer on athletic department but like you know at the end of the day the people that make up that sound and make up that experience are the fans and if you overprice them and you you can't start filling it up and whatnot what happens you know to some of these universities what happens if your basketball program you know you're not always going to be successful you're going to have some down times unless you're kentucky north carolina and duke and whatnot so you know what happens then well then you have a tiny basketball gym that doesn't get filled and that's a really bad look so i'm i'm not for downgrading them i think you know i'm really not unless you have unless you truly believe that you need to and Alabama's the rare exception where I do think they need to because I mean, like you said, Coleman is just it's just not it's not it. And so, um I think besides that though, I, I would be more in favor of them staying around what they are currently. Good stuff right there. Appreciate that phone call, Michael. That was Michael from Auburn, sparking a good conversation, a little bit about the facilities and 
uh, capacity of some of these places and the way that they've been trending. One final timeout here. Back to wrap up the Thursday edition of Sports Call right after this. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here. Final three or four minutes of the show here today. It's been a fun one. Um, about time for me to go birthday mode. Been keeping it professional uh, for... I, I mean, and I'm going to keep, keep it professional for the next three minutes. Okay. I'm just telling you that as soon as it's over... You know, all bets are off. I thought we were going to have three to four minutes of unhinged Ryan on the game. That, that's Listen what I was up fair though. <laughs> you dumb dumbs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I I'm uh, I'm excited about this evening. I'm going to eat a lot and yeah, gonna have well, a where, good time. Where is the dinner choice of place for the birthday boy? Um, not a sponsor, so I can't. Can I reveal this? I don't know. Uh, no, I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to. You can say what no. type of food it is. Uh, it's it's uh, it's definitely going to be steak. We would yeah. like them to sponsor yeah. us. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you know. Maybe we, um, maybe we get the deal done. Uh, so I will report back tomorrow on official numbers and statistics and everything pertaining to dinner tonight. <laughs> food eaten uh, and and everything going out after that. So it's been a good one today. Certainly appreciate all the all the birthday wishes and. Uh, here we are, ready to start another year. We're just going to keep competing every day, uh, and that sort of thing. Fi- final couple minutes of the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer Brooks. What do we have? Well, here's what we've got for you tonight. We got a plethora of things going on, so we'll start things off with movie picks. Uh, this movie can either describe how Ryan's going to be going through his dinner tonight, or the movie you're going to watch. Fast and Furious Six is on at six o'clock <laughs> on FX. What, uh, what if I decide to savor it a little bit? No, no. doesn't fit our agenda. Yeah, okay. doesn't fit. Doesn't fit the description, Ryan. You got to get to fit the description. Um, uh, but Fast and Furious 6, 6 o'clock FX, that's, the, of course, the sixth one in the Fast and Furious franchise. It's also the one with the five-mile-long runway that they are chasing a plane down. Oh. And it just it, the plane just continues to drive, and there's no stopping. <laughs> it, it, you're like, when's the runway going to end? Nope, it never does. Uh, also, 6 o'clock on Showtime 2, uh, World War One classic film. Me and Ryan actually went and saw this in theaters. 1917. Uh, if you, I, I love this movie. I've only seen it once. Great cinematically. It is, it, yeah. it, it, it's one shot. It feels like one shot the entire time. Yeah. The camera does, it feels like the camera doesn't cut. It's awesome. Even I noticed that, and I did not take any of the film stuff. I, would, I Again, I even appreciated it. Uh 
college basketball for you tonight. We'll start on the men's side of things. Temple visits a top 25 Florida Atlantic, 6 o'clock ESPN 2. Uh, 7 o'clock ESPN U. Winthrop visits Radford. Some, Go Highlanders. Some big South basketball there. Uh, also, 8 o'clock on ESPN Dose or ESPN, it is Colorado visits UCLA. Then on ESPN 2, Stanford visits Washington. On the women's side of things, 6 o'clock ESPN, it is, or e- yeah, ESPN South Carolina visits Tennessee. Uh, NASCAR is back on your TVs tonight. Yes. James teased it in his phone call earlier. The dual races are on FS1 starting at 6 o'clock tonight. The NBA All-Star Game is coming up this weekend, but tonight on 730 TNT, you got one basketball game for the NBA. The Bucks visit the Grizzlies and also women's basketball action tonight. Don't want to leave out the Auburn women's basketball team. They take on Kentucky 6 o'clock on the SEC Network if you can't make it out to Neville Arena. Trying to break the single-season attendance record for Auburn women's basketball. And that... It's your nightly TV guide brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being here on this Thursday. We will see you again tomorrow. See you then. And T.P. Hammock, thank you for being here on the show today. Uh, We will see you again next time. Thank you, as always. Again, that will do it for this Thursday edition of the program. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For T.P. Hammock and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.